This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. He's in the box, tries to screw it. Is it going to be there? Yes! Oh my word! It's in! You're listening to the number one pod for Sheffield Wednesday. This is the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. A different episode for you all this week. As the title suggests, we're going to be talking to some of the Sheffield Wednesday supporters groups on this show, uh, not only to find out a little bit more about them and how they came about, but also find out why supporters groups are important and why they deemed it necessary to set them up in the first place. I'm James Mappin. This is the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. I'm delighted to say that with me this evening is Adam from the SWFC Armed Forces Supporters Group, Emma, Bethany and Lauren from the SWFC Women's Supporters Group. We've also got Chris from the Rainbow Owls supporters group as well uh, i just want to say in this episode i'm going to be raising some points that perhaps traditionally become stumbling blocks or but taboo subjects when it comes to football uh, and being a sport that's trying to be inclusive to everyone irrespective of your race religion ethnicity gender or sexual orientation in short i might be asking some difficult questions throughout this episode it doesn't mean that i have them or share or agree with those views but it's sort of negative views and standpoints which you generally see on social media and this gives people that uh, those views are against an opportunity to speak out and explain as well uh, as much as a lot of work has been put in at the moment to combat all these things that we are still seeing problems where people do show objection to certain people attending football games or having an opinion on them as well hopefully in this episode it'll give you an insight on uh, what it's like to be part of what in some cases a minority group amongst the Sheffield Wednesday fan base um, first and foremost before we get into speaking to all individually about what you know what that makes the supporters groups important for a football club. Um, it's, it's something that is not just unique to Sheffield Wednesday, is it, Adam? Like these other clubs that have got these um, supporters groups. Yeah, I think they're an incredibly valuable resource. Um, I think a lot of people depend on supporters clubs more than they, the people outside of the supporters clubs realise. Um, I think, unfortunately... Excuse me. Unfortunately, being a member of the Armed Forces Supporters Club, I'm quite blessed in the fact that I've never had to suffer some of the offensive remarks that the uh, the fellow members here in the chat have. Um, nobody's necessarily got anything against the Armed Forces, really. It's not necessarily something that's um, predominantly been raised as an issue in the past. So, you know, some of the issues that we face are very different to some of the issues that the, the ladies and the LGBT groups will face. Um, that's not to say that they're any less important or any more important, just different. Um, but I think a lot of people would benefit from gaining access to a supporters club because it's it's about building a family, and I think that's a lot of the, you know it's a lot of uh, a lot of people around the football club that would appreciate something like that. Yeah, Lauren, do you, do you, do you agree with that? Is a is a, a part being part of a family as much as you're 
Sheffield Wednesday fan and we're all the same. Uh, I suppose, yeah, when you are part of a, a close-knit community, it does feel like that, doesn't it? It feels like a family. Yeah, we've got a WhatsApp group and we speak on it every single day. Um, whether it's about Wednesday or just general chats, it is literally a support group for for women and men, to be honest with us. Yeah, do you, do you agree with that, uh, Chris? That like, you know, it is about being part of a family because I suppose in some cases you can feel a little bit excluded as much as, you know, we're all Wednesday, aren't we? But, you know, sometimes it's not quite like that. I think in, in general with these supporters groups, it all interconnects because there'll be people and beyond forces group that might not be asked about sexuality, might be questioning it, might be really struggling about it. We can sort of open sort of a gateway between your forces and Rainbow's hours so they can get more involved and be able to be more inside of themselves. Similarly with the women's group, um, 30% of our members are allies, 35% of our LGBTQ plus and allies are female. So again, there's a strong overlap between Rainbow Hours and Women's Supporters Group. And through that, because in general, gay men can be quite sexist in that they can sort of like sexually harass women, they can be quite drugtry about people who are lesbians. And likewise, straight women can sometimes in gay bars treat gay men like an exotic animal. Like, a, like an exotic zoo animal, actually, in this form of entertainment. So in terms of this, we can become better LGBT people and better human beings by understanding the issues that we women face by having that women's group and by having the LGBTQ plus group. Allies can have a better understanding of what we're trying to do and they can put their allyship into action more effectively, which is easier in person than on the computer screen. So it all interconnects with everything. Yeah, great stuff. Um, I'm going to like talk to you more individually. I'll, I'll start with you, Adam. So you're currently serving in the armed forces, aren't you, at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm eight years into a stint in the Royal Air Force, um, fully qualified aircraft engineer. Um, I've travelled a bit of the world. It's been fun, to be fair. So, yeah, it's good life. Go on, how, how did the, the supporters group come about? Because it was you and your, your friend that, that decided to, to start it all up. And were you kind of surprised that there wasn't one beforehand uh yes and no um yes i was a little bit surprised because obviously the armed forces have been a thing for a long time and wednesday's been a thing for a long time as well um so the fact that the two weren't more closely connected was a little bit surprising but also not because it's sheffield wednesday and nothing surprises you at sheffield wednesday football club <laughs> i don't know um, what you mean adam i don't know what you mean no <laughs> excuse me <laughs> apologies um so it came about just because um, a predominant factor with being a member of the armed forces and being a Wednesday fan is a lot of the time you're not anywhere near Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. So having a supporters club would be something um, that would be highly beneficial for a lot of people who live away. Um, for people who do travel a long distance to games, you can sometimes feel a bit of a disconnect with the club. Um, you don't feel part of the, again, part of the family because you're not close by. You can't just nip to the club shop to buy the new shirt. You can't just nip to the pub with all your mates who are Wednesday fans to talk about the game from the day before. Um, it's difficult. Um, so me and a friend had the idea for a while, never really done anything with it. We thought, I'll get much traction. And then I just rung him up and said, sorry, I'm setting up a Twitter account. Um, and within the space of 24 hours, we had nearly a thousand followers. Um, we'd got, uh, Carlton Palmer, um, Chris Waddle, Barry Bannon, all messaging us saying fantastic group, we'll follow you, all that sort of stuff. Um, we got traction immediately in the media, um, to a lesser degree than what my fellow compatriots here have got. Um, but I don't feel like that is of any importance to an extent because I feel like the other supporters groups are more required in today's society um i feel like the the work that we do to be able to help our veterans um is fantastic um i feel like the group that we can give people as a safe space is brilliant um but i feel like what we offer is completely different because the mental health issues that veterans have coming out of the military um especially coming out of the military is humongous um you know, regardless of what has gone on in your life, when you're in the military, you are part of a family already. It is an addition to your actual family at home. Um, and then when you leave that, you're almost like leaving school and you have nothing. No matter what qualifications you've got, no matter what friends you have in City Street, 
nothing compares to the friendships that you build whilst you're in the military. And me and Adam thought, well, what a better way to be able to bring that feeling back to people who left the military than by using something that everyone's passionate about in football. So that's where it came about. And yeah, I think it's been a fantastic journey for us so far. Um, I've enjoyed every single minute of it through highs and lows. Um, and I'm hoping we can build on it for the future. Yeah, I mean, um, you, do, you do a lot of charity work, don't you? Um, as part of the, the the Armed Forces Supporters Group. Do you want to explain what you've been doing? Because I think you've, you were just saying earlier, you've raised quite a lot of money recently. Uh, yeah, I mean, just today specifically to blow a bit of smoke up my backside for everyone listening. Um, being part of a group with uh, Riley Management, uh, raising £23,000 for East Midlands food banks and homeless charities. Um, we've raised around £3,000 across SAFA, which is an Armed Forces Families Association charity, and the Essex Food Bank. Um, I feel like charity work is something that the Armed Forces do really well because you get it ingrained into you very early on, whether rightly or wrongly, that you are nobody. You are a piece of crap. You are at the bottom of the food chain. You will do exactly what you're told when you're told to do it. So that selflessness that gets drilled into you from an incredibly early time in your career kind of helps when you come out because you see the struggles that other people go through more easily than others. Um, whether you're doing it because you're compassionate or just because you know that it's not right, for whatever motive that you've got, I have found that it is a lot easier to engage with veterans and members of members of the forces to do charity work than anyone else. Um, we've had civilians such as yourselves donating to our charity work, which is fantastic. At the end of the day, no matter whose pocket the money comes from, it all goes to a fantastic cause. Um, but veterans specifically, I have noticed, uh, you know, even some that are on absolute pittance of a war pension when they've left, they've got nothing. They are still willing to give that last tenor to someone else who they think is in a worse position. And I've heard some stories when we, we made an agreement with SAF earlier this year to raise some money for them. And some of the stories you hear are harrowing. Um, I'll give one example just so people, you know, who don't know about SAFA can read up about them. And if they want to donate, they can. You're under no obligation to. I'm not raising money for them right now. But um, one of the uh, fundraiser workers got a call to go and authorise a payment of £120 to a, a ex-army infantry infantier living up in Darlington because he had no money to be able to replace his microwave where the fuse had burnt. Um, he needed £120 to get a little bit of food and to get a microwave. She went to his house to assess his situation. He had one sofa, a microwave that was broken, and a beer fridge in his flat, and that was it. He had no carpets, he hadn't got a bed, he hadn't got curtains, he had two shirts, he had nothing. And he didn't ask for any anything else. He just wanted to replace his microwave so he could cook himself a warm meal. That's all he wanted. And when you hear stories like that, that these selfless blokes and women have gone through the life that they've gone through serving the country to leave and not even ask for a bed. They just want a microwave to cook themselves an hot pot. You know, it makes you want to to do work for that cause. Um, yeah, definitely. So it's something, that, it's something I'm really passionate about and I feel like it's something that, a lot of the veterans in our group have, have grown on and yeah it's brilliant it's nice to see I mean I've, I've seen like in especially like the, the last stage of the last season because um, obviously you know it's quite a, a relatively new supporters group that you were kind of coming together uh, meeting in the fan zone and, and stuff like that have, the, have those been quite successful having having a place to kind of meet up before the game <coughs> and, and chat I'm, I suppose you obviously everyone shares same or similar experiences as well all, all being in the armed forces as much as you have a, the same interest in Sheffield Wednesday you also have you know like I said similar experiences yeah I mean that's a large part of it um, a large part of being in the military is the humour and unfortunately, especially with, uh, especially with, with the way that the military is, with the humour that we have, it's not well received by people who aren't associated with the military. Now, undoubtedly, there are bad eggs everywhere in society, um, but you don't tend to find many come from the military. But because of, not necessarily myself, I'm quite... Compared to a lot of the lads who I've worked with before, I'm treated like a bit of a king, really, and an aircraft engineer. I don't have to go and live in the, the crap holes in the middle of nowhere and getting shot at. I get to live in nice hotels and stuff, so I have it quite good compared to a lot of them. Um, but 
you know, I had it described to me by one lad who, you know, living in a shell scrape in Afghanistan, getting shot at every day. You have to have a dark sense of humor to get through life. If you are, if you can't laugh about what's going on, you're going to get in shock and you're going to get upset. So the dark humor element and the way that certain jokes are portrayed tends to get a lot of people in trouble with HR in the civilian world. So you have to tone that down. But when you've spent so many years been around that, it's hard to transition. So at, with the Armed Forces Supporters Club, we're able to give people not a safe space away from accountability with stuff you say by any means, but it gives people a place where they can talk freely and know that there isn't going to be some HR assistant at the side of you saying you can't say that. Because a lot of the stuff that some people will say isn't going to be well received in the public eye. And we're able to give people an area where they can talk freely and talk to people who've gone through similar experiences and laugh about each other. We've got two guys in our armed forces group who are both disabled. One of them had his leg blown off while they were serving. One of them's got a severe knee injury. They have arguments about who's the more disabled person. It, you know, like, it's it is brilliant because they, they take the... Oh, I don't want to swear. Am I allowed to swear when they? Of course just... you can swear. You, Adam, you've listened to the podcast before. You've heard I me going on my rants and what have you. Like, do I swear? I, know, I, I just didn't want to do it in this one because I'm trying to, you know, put myself across as the armed forces guy. Um, but, they, you know, they take the piss out of each other. And sometimes you're like, can I laugh? I don't, I don't know if I'm comfortable in this situation. Can I laugh? But they don't care, you know? So that sort of friendship and integration that you get is it's one of the reasons that we did it um like you say it's the shared experiences the amount of stuff like you get it drilled into you from a really early age in your career that civvies would pay thousands to do some of the stuff we do if you've seen some of the shit that i've had to do you would not be paying money for it you'd have to get paid double what i am trust me it's <laughs> yeah. not worth it so yeah. i mean if if people you know uh, are listening you know they're currently serving or ex-forces and, and and they want to get involved i'm sure they've already found you already but if they haven't on but you know on the off chance that they haven't how do they do that? Like, kind of when do you when do you usually meet up? I know I mentioned the the fan zone before the home matches, but uh, yeah. So we've got uh, the Twitter account Armed Forces Owls, and um, you can find us on there. Um, usually on Wednesday nights on the debate show, I'll be on there spouting my shite opinions. Um, we've got a Facebook group as well, Sheffield Wednesday Armed Forces Supporters Club, um, and match days perfect time because you know as i said trying to get meetups is hard for us because we're not all from sheffield we don't all live in sheffield but match day usually about two o'clock if the game's at three in the fan zone right at the back nearest the bar because that's where we all love to be with your um, flag with our flag and with these shirts you know proudly um it was nice one of the last times i was there i was able to meet the lovely girls from the uh, ladies group um be nice to see him again this season and it'd be fantastic to see chris along there as well so you know, it'd be nice if we could utilise that as a bit of a, a supporters club area and get more people down there. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Cheers, uh, cheers, Adam. Now I'm going to just swiftly move on to the women's supporters group. We've got Emma, Bethany and Lauren. F first of all, Emma, thanks for coming on. How did the, the women's supporters group come about? Because again, kind of like the similar question to Adam. Did you kind of think that there would have been one before now? Yeah, I did actually. Um, I was I just imagined that there'd been one at some point that kind of faded out. When we first started talking about it, I went on Facebook and I looked to see if anyone had set one up before, but I couldn't find one. Um, and actually, there aren't many women supporters groups for other clubs either. There's only sort of five or six well-established um, women supporters groups, which I thought was surprising when we started. Yeah, it was me and Lauren originally. Um, I don't think it's much of a secret among Wednesday fans that me and Lauren have had our fair share of abuse on Twitter. Um, so originally we were both kind of separately with her game too and kind of helping to spread their message about equality in football. But then we kind of found each other and we started talking properly about how the abuse that we'd had had actually affected us um, emotionally and it makes you feel quite isolated and sort of scared um, going to matches sometimes. Um, so we started talking about how it would be nice if there was a space either online or in person or both um, where female Wednesday fans could kind of engage with each other just have a place to talk outside of Twitter somewhere safe and you know you aren't going to get shouted down by some anonymous account with one follower um, so that was kind of in the works and then we were both at the Bolton game I think it was in March um, earlier this year and that was the dedicated her game two fixture. Um, and there were loads of really nice moments. So I think there's a clip of Dawson giving a, giving his top to a little girl, which is really sweet. Um, but then during that game, there was that kind of booing 
um, one of the groups of girls that were walking around as part of the event and then um, unfortunately walking home after that, all three of us um, got abused by men on the tram. And it was so predictable that I was able to get my phone out and film it before they'd even come past because I knew what they were going to say. Um, so yeah, we just realized then and there that we need to start this group. Let's do it. That was our kind of impetus yeah. um, for starting out. How, how um, well is it being received? Because I, I, I see you've got quite a few members already, even though, like you just mentioned there, it's, it's relatively, you know, it's relatively new as a, as a supporters group. Yeah. So we only properly launched at the end of April. Um, I think we've got about 230 like fully signed up members. Um, who get regular updates from us via our newsletter and they can join the WhatsApp group as well if they want. Um, there are actually 35 men as well in that. Um, so if anyone's listening and fancies, you know, a nice place to chat, um, you know, judgment-free, don't be put off. We're very welcoming. You're welcome to join. Yeah, I mean, what what has the feedback been like, you know, uh, from, uh, I suppose, from other women that have uh, that have joined the supporters group? It's been really good. It's it's only been positive so far. I've had people message me saying, you know, just thank you. It's such a relief to have somewhere to talk about football. Um, I guess women in, you know, if they're not from Wednesday families, you know, their family supports other teams or not into football, it's it's hard to find people um, to talk about football with. That's why I ended up getting Twitter in the first place, which has been positive and negative. Um, we've got people who've made friends through the group. They've made plans to go to games together, share cars, you know, if they're not from Sheffield. Um, I think if we stopped doing it today, there'd be a community left over. And at the end of the day, that's all we wanted. Yeah. If we can connect two fans, then. Have you, have you seen, have you seen kind of, um, you know, through starting the supporters group, women that have perhaps moved away from football or liked football and kind of didn't really want to, um, didn't want to go. Maybe they, you know, there was the only person in their family that didn't want to go, or maybe they've had some abuse before. Have you seen them kind of get reconnected with the club since you've started the group? Yeah, absolutely. There's one person in particular that I'm thinking of right now. Um, she said she got quite disillusioned with football. It's scary going on your own if you've not got a family member to go with. Um, and it's lonely, let alone all the abuse. So she's kind of felt empowered to start going again, um, getting the train with a friend. So that's fantastic. Yeah, great stuff. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I saw that you all all went to, well, quite a few of you went to Wembley, met outside uh, the Torch pub. I mean, was was that a good thing that you kind of could have all all came together and, and kind of shared that experience and obviously what a day it was as well? Yeah, that was great. It wasn't even a planned meetup, actually. I just thought, I'll bring the flag, why not? I'll wear it. People might come up and be curious. Um, and then, yeah, it ended up being, a, you know, a little group of us at the Torch. Um, we had blokes coming up to us asking about the group, all good-natured. Um, a few of them did ask if they were allowed to sing that chant, um, and we said, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Not I, th I thought it was funny that one of the pictures that you put up, ironically, there was the blow-up doll behind you, which uh, which did make me. I think you re you, re you referenced it yourself, to be fair, uh, which did make me uh, made me laugh. But uh, but yeah, I mean, have you got some big plans moving moving forward for the for the supporters group? Yeah, so it's early days. Um, we've got kind of three core aims that we like to try to do and try to achieve um, over the course of the season. So one of those is establish a community of Wednesday fans, and I think we're well on the way to that. Obviously, we're trying to grow, but as it stands, um, that's going really well. Um, we want to encourage the club to help make women feel safe. So we're going to be putting out some information about how to report incidents and hopefully working with the club um, to make sure that they're taken seriously. And then also just carry on engaging and educating people about some of the issues that women face in in football and outside of football as well yeah um, de definitely now Be Beth and I'll move on to move on to yourself you know there's been a lot of work aren't they around um you know women's sport uh, whether that be football golf cricket you know to get more in the mainstream media <laughs> I know Sky Sports have been doing quite a lot you see uh, them pushing it um you know whether that's on Sky Sports News or like at the moment the women's ashes is on if people are into the cricket um you know, I know we're obviously talking about the men's game at the moment, but how, how encouraging is it that the women's sport is is getting that sort of exposure at the moment? It's brilliant. No, I'm really happy it's happening. I can only really speak from the kind of women's football perspective rather than any of those other sports. It's what I follow most closely, but it feels like it's about time. I think the achievements in women's football have been massively overlooked. Um, kind of thinking about like prominent things that have happened in the men's game recently. Um, we spoke last season and this season about Liverpool and Man City being able to win a quadruple when Arsenal women did it in 2006, when Messi was hitting his fifth World Cup 
um, at the end of last year, Marta from Brazil will be going to her sixth next month. Um, so I think that's always been massive area that we forget about these records when we talk about football in general. A lot of these things have already been done. And although those historic records are amazing and it's exciting right now, like you said, we've got the record viewing figures, £35 million of investment from Sky. Um, you can watch games for free quite easily. Um, I think just off the top of my head, I know the Women's Champions League, the Women's FA Cup Finals have had um, record attendances. Women in the UK are regularly playing it and selling out Premier League grounds. Um, I think yeah. it's just testament to the quality of the game and the commitment to principles in women's football. I think it's well overdue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you seen a spike in interest, like, you know, amongst fellow women and, um, you know, after, obviously after England won the Euros, what is coming up to a year ago now, was it when that when Yeah, that pretty much. Um, I mean, in terms of the women's supporters group, like I said, we're quite young um, and I'm not at Hillsborough every week. I don't live in Manchester, live in Sheffield anymore. I'm in Manchester. So I guess I've not really seen it in that respect. But speaking about Manchester, where I am right now, um, there's a huge uptick in people going to see both of Manchester's women's teams. I've been to sold out games at Old Trafford and the Etihad. Um, yeah, there's like pubs in Manchester that just show women's matches. They don't show the men's Premier League. And there are pubs here that have a women's football group to watch men's and women's sports, um, which has all kind of popped up since last summer. And then there's been massive growth in the grassroots game. I've noticed as well, the seven-a-side team that I play for um, has had new players that are training pretty much every week since the Lionesses won the cup. So yeah, amazing. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of... Um... Just in terms of like you and yourself going to to the matches and, and things like that, you know, obviously now you know, you've, you've set up the the supporters group. But did you ever feel uncomfortable at all when you when you go you know when you attend these matches? At the women's matches or the men's matches or both? Or both. Well, I, I would suppose the men, I suppose the men's game because obviously you know with, with it being you know the Sheffield Wednesday supporters group course, mainly for yeah. the men's game of, of course. But yeah, like do you, do you ever feel uncomfortable at all? Um, the only issues, like what Em said, I've only ever had outside of a football ground. Like when the match is actually on and you're on the concourse or you're in your seat, I've never really had an issue, but maybe that's just me because I'm quite, I've been on my own before. It doesn't bother me in that respect. But again, yeah, the issues I've had have been outside the ground, but at the same time, they're the things that can stop people going. It's the commute, the the waiting outside, the hanging around the turnstiles. So yeah. I can't speak for everyone. And even in that case, that's still a very important part of being a woman going to a football match. Yeah, of course. Now, Lauren, like this, despite all the positivity around women in football that there is at the moment, I mean, there still is quite a, a long way to go in it. You know, social media can be a great place, as we mentioned already, but it also can be horrible as well. I mean, you kind of already mentioned it already, but how often do you receive these messages of hate, you know, direct messages as well. Is it is it constant or is it just one or two? Or what, what's it like? Yeah, well, I feel like I'm probably the most controversial woman out of us all. Um, and I do, I do love football banter. Um, I do love getting bias out of other um, football clubs, but there's a difference between banter and personal attacks. Um, so I remember when we lost to 4-0 to Peterborough, when we played Derby um, before that, I wrote a tweet saying, um, cry, Derby fans. <laughs> um, and then obviously when we lost in the playoffs, um, not in the playoffs, in, when we lost 4-0, um, I had, th not thousands, that's a bit dramatic, um, quite a few Derby fans in my DMs um, giving me like so much abuse, calling me a slag, um, just telling me to die, stuff like that. And I just thought, that's a bit far. Like, I know you lost, but come on. But yeah. not only that, it's like, um, if me and Em don't receive a dick pic once a week, I, something's wrong with the world. Like, I'm, <laughs> I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's awful, it really is, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, everyone does love the banter, don't they, at the, at the end of the day. But yeah, there is a... There is a line, and and when things get get personal as well, it, it, that's I suppose that yeah. is where the line gets drawn, doesn't it? You know, when when you know the comment that you make isn't personal, and all of a sudden people are, are commenting on how people look and and things like that. I suppose yeah, you have to 
you have to draw the line at some point. Um, I, I suppose as well, do, I know you said you, you're quite controversial on, on social media anyway, <laughs> but does does it kind of stop you or, or other people from from actually sharing your view on, on social media? Because everyone loves, you know, everyone... Everyone thinks they're the football manager. Everyone thinks they, you know, that they know what to do. Everyone thinks that they know what what they've seen is, you know, is is the right thing. And often people do share that on social media. But do you feel like the the, the kind of hate that you get stops you from doing that to a certain extent, or or certainly stops other people anyway? Yeah, I feel like um, if I get a lot of abuse, I'll go off social media for like a few weeks and then I'll think, oh, it's time to come back now. Um, but I feel like I'm quite strong-minded, um, whereas other women, they, they're not used to this like abuse. So this can put them off for life pretty much. Like if they're getting horrible messages that me and we've received, I can understand why they never touch football game again yeah is that where that obviously as a supporters group you know you mentioned you've got the whatsapp group and things like that i suppose that's where that comes in isn't it? because that's, that gives people that safe place to to share the views knowing that they're not going to get shot down or you know and i suppose you i'm, I'm guessing you still have healthy debates in there and, and disagreements on on you know what one you know, one person likes Darren Moore, for example, someone might not like him, and, and this that and the other. So it's not to say you know you all just agree with everything, but it's just that safe place where you can all have that discussion, I guess. Yeah, it's every day. It's well at the minute. It's it's popping the WhatsApp group. Um, <laughs> everyone's sending tweets left, right, and centre into it. Um, but it is it is a safe space, and obviously sometimes speaking to men about football, you do get like or what's Barry Bannon's dog called or you're not a proper fan kind of kind of stuff like that. Um, whereas in the WhatsApp group, you can actually just have whatever opinion you want and it's not seen as wrong in a way. Yeah. I think as well, I mean, I, I've seen it myself, obviously, you know, doing it, you know, running the Twitter account that, that we run as well and you, you share your views. And of course, this podcast is full of opinions. That's why, that's what we do. We share his opinion all the time. And it's true when you, you, you'll get one one derogatory comment or or message or whatever it may be. And you kind of transfix on that one, don't you? Rather than all the all the nice messages that you might get or all the, all the good discussions that you might have. And it's just sometimes, it's just that one message that can kind of sometimes tip you over the edge a little bit, can't it? Yeah, I'm... I'm tend to look at the negative comments rather than the nice comments and I'm just stuck on that one comment for days. Um, even though it'll be from an account that's like got a picture of Messi and no followers, but yeah, it does it does get to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much support have you had from from the club, Lauren, in terms of the, the supporters group, if any at all? Um, so we had Quite, we've had a few meetings with them before we set up the um, before we like launched. Um, we've been speaking to them weekly. Um, obviously, in light of recent comments, we are hoping that they do get behind us a little bit more and kind of prove that they're wanting equality within football. Um, but we have got some big exciting things coming and the club seem really willing to get involved and help us in any way that they can yeah yeah definitely emma i'll just come, come to you a second like is there is there more that can be done from the club i'm sure the answer is going to be yes and and i suppose in the supporters in general really to, to try and include as many people as they possibly can in the, in the game of football yeah, I mean, there's always more that can be done because we're all always learning. And I think that's a good thing. Um, the club, club have got a lot to learn and so do we in terms of working with them. Um, like Lauren said, um, things happened recently and I think it's a good chance for the club. You know, they've, they've given us lip service. They've promoted our group publicly, which was great. Um, but for them to properly get behind us um, and take a strong stance would be fantastic. Yeah, great. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Right, we're going to move on as well. Last but not least, Chris from uh, from the Rainbow Owl has been waiting patiently, of uh, of course. Now, I mean, all of these supporters groups uh, are new, relatively speaking, you know, one two years in the in the making but the the newest one of them all of them all is uh yeah the rainbow owls which only began a few weeks ago am i right in saying that chris last wednesday last, last wednesday so not even a few weeks ago um I, i'm gonna ask the same question as i asked uh you know both the others as well what what made you start the the rainbow owls supporters group what what made it kind of feel necessary to to do that and it's sort of greater need for us to uh, get involved in a sports group because the uh, social political backdrop in both LGBT plus football and great society has taken a real backward step in the age of things like Trump and Farage and Brexit. Uh, in recent weeks, for example, there's been a series of stories in LGBTQ plus football related issues that have sort of demonstrated this. In France, for instance, uh, players from three top five clubs refuse to take part in an anti homophobia campaign. Um, in a recent international match between Mexico and the United States, the game actually had to be called off early in Scottish time because the homophobic abuse from Mexican fans was so loud and persistent. Um, a Bulls fan, he was recently uh, banned for three years for taking homophobic abuse. Um, what Leeds United, although they are a supportive club in terms of uh, our issues, especially players like Patrick Bamford, he's been a great ally for our community. But what Leeds United have done, they've arranged the first home match of the season to be on the same day as Leeds Pride, uh, sort of the biggest LGBTQ plus event in, uh, in Leeds, and even the biggest in Yorkshire, or people like. And it's very similar to the uh, Rainbow Armband fiasco of the World Cup, where from start to finish, whether it was like not having a national proper rainbow in the armband to backing out the last minute and giving some pretty bad PR statements, um, there's sort of a real sense that in general, the associations and the clubs do make sort of tokenistic gestures that are vaguely, but they sort of do it in a way that that is for our community, on behalf of our community, without ever consulting us on what is the best way for it. So there's a need for us to have a visible platform where we sort of call out these concerns in a very sort of like timely and assertive manner, but just to get the tone right. So we want to be we want to be educational, but we don't want to be militant and hectoring and judgmental about it. And likewise, we want to be personable and engaging, but we also want to be quite, quite professional in how we come across. You don't want to be getting into different spats with different like, trolls and homophobic fans, things like that. We do want to be seen like as a very sort of, like, credible and professional outfit. Yeah, definitely. Now, like, excuse my ignorance for a moment, but you know, I'm going to ask a question that does get seen. I, I see it quite a lot. I saw it on the you know the announcement post that was out last week, last Wednesday. And I, I remember what you said last Wednesday. Um, but you know, the question being asked you now: Why do we need a LGBTQ plus supporters group? Is, isn't the idea that you want to be included, but surely having a separate supporters group just kind of excludes you and creates the division? That's also the question that's that I do see quite a lot. Well, in order to answer that question, we need to sort of understand the context of the LGBTQ community in Sheffield. It's not like Manchester or Leeds, where they're in Leeds and Manchester, they have things like football teams for gay and bisexual males. They have like lots of gay bars, like lots of different like weekly events where people can make lots of social connections. In Sheffield, there's not really many gay bars. There's not been Sheffield Pride for quite a few years because COVID has really done a number on how it turns it's organised. There's Football teams, male football teams for gay bisexual men like in places like Nottingham and Bergen. Like, like Sheffield doesn't have a huge gay scene, but there's none of, none of that in Sheffield because Yorkshire Terriers are based in Leeds. So people who aren't on the dating apps or they can't travel to Havisage on the weeknight to train with Sheffield Vulcans who are the uh, LGBT plus rugby team for rugby fans in Sheffield, if they can't sort of connecting with people and they become very isolated. It's hard to make, meet new people and make new friends. 
But football is a very accessible way for LGBTQ plus football fans to connect because it's a universal thing. You know, it's something that many people like and bond over, and that just makes it much easier. So in general, in Sheffield, people are very people in our community are very lonely, they're very isolated, they're really struggling. So in terms of Rainbow Hours, it offers a lifeline. It means that before matches at our hospitality partner um, called the Panagon, it's like next to who is in Park Transtop. It means that before a match, we can all come together, we can talk about football, we can talk about favourite players, we can talk about live, our lives, we can find a social network, football network and social network. And that means that they become close to the club. They build a stronger identity identity with as a fan and so not becoming isolated, not becoming segregated. It actually does the opposite of what people suggest to But for me, for example, I'm quite new to my sexuality. I came out to myself about a few years ago. I'm 36 now, so I was quite late from life. And honestly, since forming Rainbow Rouse, it's probably the first time I felt welcomed by the club in general and felt connected as a true fan. So this can absolutely change lives when it provides new opportunities, uh, personal growth to make new friends and you, it can really make a real difference to people. Yeah, I suppose it can only be good. I mean, this goes for all of you, really, like all the supporters groups. It can only be good for the club in general because I suppose, you know, the more people that feel included, the more people that feel, um, you know, able to go to the games, you know, everyone wants bigger attendances at Hillsborough. Everyone wants it to be a sellout. And if there's, you know, there's more people that, that actually want to go, like I said, it, it's just, it's good for the, the club, Chris, as, as well, as well as people as, as individuals. Absolutely. Like I said, it's all interconnected. We can, we can sort of understand the women's game better. You know, if there's something visible and tangible where we can sort of talk to the fans in person rather than just online. And likewise, with other people, it sort of builds allyship. It means we can sort of see traction, we can sort of educate them on how to become a better ally without sort of judging them if they accidentally make mistakes. Because people will accidentally get the wrong pronouns, for instance. And we don't want to sort of score those people back. So by having a supporters group, we can sort of help people. And it's great for the image because I think we've sort of fallen behind with the times. Uh, I think ever since we got relegated from the Premier League in 2000, we've sort of got lost in the wilderness. We've always been trying to keep our head above water. We've always been consumed by various different problems of the club. So I think compared to certain other clubs, I think we've become slightly a bit more sort of falling behind with the times really and I think Darren Moore did a lot to, to help the club more welcoming and accepting but in terms of other clubs they're slicker they're far ahead of the game in terms of being more inclusive so this is a really good step point for the club to to move forward with the times and just to offer something that's more welcoming for everyone yeah definitely what's the reaction been like since you started the group because I know you've had quite a lot of response from from other LGBTQ plus supporters groups up and down the country as well of which there is there is a few of them absolutely in general it's been positive we've got more than 55 members at the minute you have 650 followers on Twitter people like Chris Terry Pressman John Pearson the Peacock they're all following up like club mascots pre Chris Braley, the sports scientist at the club. Um, so that's been really good, and people have been continuing to engage ever since. Um, in terms of other supporters groups, we've been followed by many of the major ones, like ones the Celtic, Aston Villa, Arsenal, um, Rainbow Saints of Southampton. They're very interesting to come down to our sort of first like, season meet social. Um, Charlton and Watford supporters group, they're two of the most respected LGBT plus groups in the country. Um, they've been very kind to us open and got a very special connection with Rainbow Blade as well. You know, they've been a big influence on us, they've been huge help. And we sort of, in terms of corners Rainbow Hours, that's deliberate. You know, so we can show the unity with Rainbow Blade. It means that we can make that crystal clear by having the same charity partner and say it, where we'll be like donating things like books to them so their young members can sort of learn more about our community and become more empowered in themselves. You know, that, that sort of repetition, that consistency is important. Yeah. And I sort of met with them earlier this week. I sort of like had a chat with them for about four hours, like playing ball games, and something like that wouldn't have happened if, if it wasn't a supporters group for our community from both teams. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, ju- just like women in sport as well, there's still a long way to go, isn't there? You know, when it comes to educating people, uh, when it comes to homophobia, transphobia, etc. in sport, you know, for example, you still hear people shouting, you know, he's gay or whatever from the from the stands as, as a kind of, you know, sign of abuse or whatever. Um, so there is, there is still a long way to go, isn't there? Even though, you know, some great strides have been made. Absolutely. I think you saw that. 
in terms of sort of discussing this particular issue, you have to sort of take a bit uh, a step back because it's very common for people in our community to become mass fans and, and not to attend games for a long bit, period of time, not just because they feel vulnerable at the games, but also because in terms of coming out to themselves and posting sexuality and gender identity, in terms of being able to accept that and being able to come out, that takes a huge toll on someone's mental health. And that can play a big part in how they, whether they, how often they come to games, whether they feel up to it in general. And me concealing their sexuality and their gender identity with football takes even longer. For me, for instance, um, I attended the game against Exeter in April. And that was the first game I had attended since 2014, which is a long time. It's like an eight or nine year gap. And I've been talking to other supporters group first and key members from Everett. Uh, proudly whites, the club for uh, LGBT plus Spurs fans and people from Bainbow Blaze, their experience has been based on the way they've not attended games for a long period of time. And having this group, it means that they've been able to come back to the stadium for the first time in a very, very long time. And yes, it does make me feel vulnerable being at Hills for some times, you know, especially more so at home games where fans can be very aggressive and demanding if they want to sit in a particular seat for people to move from the seat. And if the players don't sort of perform in the first five, ten minutes, it become, can become very toxic. There's a lot of shouting, a lot of swearing. In the past, I've been accidentally whacked in the face by drink fans. I've heard racist abuse I, at people like MC Gardner from the stands. And that was really off-putting. So although they weren't like homophobic or biphobic or transphobic in nature, it still made me feel more reserved less willing to attend, less welcome, more self-conscious. Um, and even at the Exeter game, I was still a bit scared. I only went to the Peterborough home match because another gay friend was attending the game with me on my own after the 4-0 loss. I'm not sure if I would have felt comfortable. And I certainly didn't feel comfortable enough to attend Wembley because I just thought it would just be too overwhelming for me. Because at the back of my mind, I know that there's always a chance of me being verbally sort of staging and physically sort of outside the outside that city trans stop for wearing the wrong clothes or walking the wrong way or speaking the wrong way. That will always be at the back of all people's minds. And yeah. Trying to have a safe space is important like before games and during the games. Yeah. It is, the thing is, like, for myself, it, you know, I, I just go to the matches, you know, uh, go with my father-in-law, you know, sit there. And it, I think it's great to, to hear kind of everyone's views and everyone's thoughts that, you know, that, I suppose for the vast majority of people, they don't realise exists in in some cases. You know, um, I just go to the game. Like I said, it, it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me. But there is, like you just mentioned there, there is people that do, um, you know, do feel vulnerable, feel like they can't go and stuff like that. So it is great to see that all these supporters groups are are popping up and 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 fingers crossed. You know, that we can you can we can see that. You know, people are becoming more connected to the club. I mean, I see it myself with the, um, like with the, with the Patreon group that we that we have. The people join the community, and you know, they get all the extra content and things like that. And I feel that people say to me uh, that they've they do feel more connected to the club. We've got members from Australia. We've got members, uh, you know, a little bit closer. People down in Southampton, Ireland, loads of different places. And um, and yeah, I suppose. You must. I mean, I know Chris. I know the the, um, the supporters groups only just started. Um, but I suppose a bit of a sense of achievement if people would come to you and say, like, you know, I feel like I can now go to a game because you know because it is that safe place. I guess. I've already had, had like quite a few messages. Like, people have actually sent Adam Oxley uh, WhatsApp messages when I after the major Sheffield on launch day to talk about rainbow hours. I've had messages like from neutrals, like who support like, teams in London who moved to Sheffield and don't really feel connected with the game and sort of lost touch with it. They want to go into rainbow hours. I've had messages like from trans fans. There's a lot of diversity in the group. Fifteen percent of our members are bisexual. We've got asexual members, we've got trans members, we've got people who aren't sure of their sexuality and aren't out. So in terms of that, it's, it allows people who are marginalised in our community to like say that the main population is a lot of racism in the gay, gay male community, for instance. So it's able to give people a platform who, in order to connect with people in ways that they would not normally be able to, because even if you went to a gay bar, it's very male-centric, it's very white-centric. It can be quite masculine-centric in some ways. So sometimes it offers such a big lifeline. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, before we kind of move on and wrap things up, we can't just not talk about Sheffield Wednesday. It was just, you know, we just can't not do that. Um, I'm going to timestamp it. It's Thursday the 29th of June, as it currently stands. We don't have a manager. I thought we would have, you know, 11 days on from when Darren Moore left. Um, but yeah, before we talk about the manager and things like that, um, Adam, how incredible were the playoffs last season? Because, um, you know, best games you've ever witnessed. You were, I don't think you were there at the final, were you? But he was there against Peterborough. Yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't make the final. I was on holiday for my parents' wedding anniversary the 30th. Um, so as important as Pillsborough was, uh, sorry, as important as Wembley was, um, being able to help my mum and dad celebrate that wedding anniversary was more important to me at the time. So uh, I sacrificed that and went and spent the week down with them in Devon, had a great time. Um, I, it was the first time I've seen my dad brought to tears because of football. Um, I've been brought to tears quite a few times because we're crap. Um, but thankfully, these tears were joy. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. But you were there at Peterborough, yeah, though, weren't you? Against Peterborough? Yes. That, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, because I think, to be fair, I, I know obviously Wembley got us up, but. Peterborough, I think, will go down as probably yeah, one of the best matches that people have ever witnessed, to be honest. It's just special, isn't it? What other club can have that? And I mean, the fact that there were Peterborough fans in the way end video in the scenes saying that's what 30,000 fans does for you. You know, when Wednesday fans come together, we can make something special. Um, and it would just be nice if we can build on that and have more of that this year I doubt it you know you know we're like we're a fickle lot um, we've had a few weeks of turbulence so we'll be back down to 15 16,000 fans but we can live in hope yeah Bethany how many times have you watched the highlights and especially that commentary of uh, of the goal against Peterborough you know the Palmer goal oh it's brilliant yeah I've not not stopped and then it all kind of kind of came back to me last week when we sacked Darren and it started coming we didn't sack Darren I'll, I'll correct myself it, the, it feels like we sacked him though to be it fair it really feels yeah. like we sacked Darren it feels like a horrible breakup but then yeah they started coming up all over again when Darren left last week and I was like do you know what though oh, you feeling lost sh- something really special here haven't we this is terrible do you know if you're feeling shit though really just put them put the highlights of, of those two games on or you don't even watch the highlights you don't even have to watch the full thing just literally watch the last couple of minutes of both games and and you'll still feel feel a lot better about yourself but yeah i think i would get um if people seen how many times i've actually watched that that clip it would be um yeah a bit frightening to be fair but was, was you i know you mentioned you don't get to many games but did you did you go to any of the well the the, the home leg playoff game in in wembley yeah i um reluctantly went to peterborough at home i was like we're 4-0 down, I'll make the journey across. I'd already paid for everything, my train and my ticket. And I kind of came to terms with it the day before and I was like, you know what? I've had a really nice season otherwise with this unbeaten run and it's been nice vibes. I'm probably not going to see many of these players in a Wednesday shirt anymore. So let's go and say bye to them. Ended up being, yeah, one of the best nights ever. And yeah, did make it to Wembley after that. I thought I deserved it after. I mean, we took over <laughs> Wembley, didn't we, Bethany, to be fair? like It was it- incredible. Even I, I came down from Manchester on a coach on my own and the minute you got on the m1 from here it was cars with flags in and coaches with flags in and even i met um houston or king's cross and just the yorkshire accents everywhere i think everyone being northern and out of their comfort zone just created a really nice community in london that day yeah yeah well i came from cornwall so and and miraculously there was there was eight other wednesday fans on the train from cornwall going to london which i thought was just mad you know everyone we all say we're massive don't we and i think that kind of that kind of proved it to be fair but emma like wembley was just unbelievable obviously i was there back in 20 what was it 15 2016 when we lost to hull and um and yeah it was great to kind of put right those wrongs weren't it really yeah it was incredible i wasn't there the whole game i watched it on tv i remember it just utterly depressing <laughs> from start to end i mean to be fair actually most of that wembley game as good as the atmosphere was I hated it. Before we scored, I'd said to my boyfriend, I was like, I'm not I'm not going to another playoff game. I just can't do it. The stress was too much. I thought I was going to die. Um, but yeah, that goal made it all worth it. It made everything worth it. <laughs> all 26 years or whatever supporting Wednesday has been worth it. Um, yeah. How many times have you been reliving that moment? And that, I mean, you know, if you could bottle it up, that emotion from when that goal went in and sell it, you'd be, you'd be a millionaire, wouldn't you, to be fair? <laughs> Yeah, it's unreal. There's nothing like it. I've not felt like that before. I don't think I'll feel like that again. You've not <laughs> had 120 plus three tattooed on, on your body anywhere like uh, Josh Windass has, have you? 
Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> there, we, there we go. Uh, Lauren, you were there, weren't you, at, uh, at Wembley? Where, where does it where does it rank for you in terms of like best games? I suppose. Like, I'll, I'll let you have Peterborough at home as well. Where you know them two games are, are they like just the best games that you've ever witnessed? Yeah, <laughs> um, there's not much more I can say other than yeah. Um, I think just being with my boyfriend and my friends as well. Um, I remember about two seconds before Wind scored, I was just swearing, going, just get it to penalties now because I was just that sick of it. And then it went in and we, I think that's the first time I've ever seen my boyfriend cry to be fair. Joe, I think there were a lot of people in that in in Wembley that were crying and and just openly admitted yeah. it as well. Like you know, they really just it's what football does to you sometimes, doesn't it? One of, yeah, one of our friends, um, she says um, that a wedding day were good, but Wembley were just better. Well, <laughs> and I, can, I think that just sums it up. Yeah, if, if I think if I said that to my wife, I, I don't think I'd be sat in my house right now. To be fair, you so wouldn't I, have a wife anymore. Well, no, I, I've, I've, I've got to be really careful what I say, especially around her. Anyway, maybe. maybe Maybe to my mates, I could probably admit that that's true as well. But uh, Chris, let, let's talk about the manager then, or should I say lack of manager. Um, does it concern you that we're like 11 days in now and uh, and we haven't got one? I mean, by the time people listen to this, we might have got a manager. But right now, as we're talking, does it concern you a little bit? I think what hasn't helped is that uh, a lot of other clubs that are more established in this league are, I was looking for more managers. Michael Duff, he's moved to Swansea. Uh, my th- personal first choice, Daniel Fark, who probably moved to Leeds. Leicester, a very attractive opposition to you uh, newly relegated by where new promoters. So I think that lessens the pool. Um, and I think we might have to be a bit, bit more pragmatic and realistic than we might want. But I still think there's some possible good candidates if, uh, if we're willing to sort of take the initiative and uh, maybe pay some money and some compensation fees possibly for a manager that's sort of done some good work in a lower league or in the championship. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. I, I, do you know what? I just want him to sign our manager at the moment. Just our manager will do. Like, I just feel like the time's just ticking away. I'll get behind whoever it is. Like, just just sign someone because I'm fed up of scrolling on Twitter in just in just hope um, more than expectation. I suppose. Um, I must admit. The club statement that came out today, I did think that was going to... Well, I thought it was a manager at first. I then thought, well, wouldn't say club statement if we've signed someone. Then I thought, well, maybe Chantier is selling the club. Um, but no, alas, it was just uh, another episode of EastEnders or whatever with a little battle between uh, between them two and him showing it, you know, saying he's, he's too penneth. Uh, Adam, what, what type of manager do you want to come in then? Do you want a former player? Do you want someone that's done it in this league? Do you want someone young and up and coming? Perhaps the first job. Who, who do you want to come in? Like I said, not not necessarily a, a name, but just the type of manager, really. Uh, the type of manager I want. Um, someone who wins games would probably be a good selection. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that would be top of the list, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's... It, oh. Rock in a hard place because you've got the. Um, if, right, if, if, Mick McCar- if Mick McCarthy's manager, he's dinosaur, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, are you. If Mick McCarthy's manager, I'm going to spend a season watching Sheffield. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. By the same token, if if we have someone in the ilk of, you know, Kieran McKenna, you know, someone who's just come out of, I don't know, an assistant manager at somewhere else or, you know, under under 23s manager, a Premier League side, you know, would that kind of inspire you a little bit? You've gone one end of the spectrum to the complete opposite. Well, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, what would you prefer? Neither. You want someone in the middle. All right. So Um, you want someone that's done it in this league then? No, no, I just want someone who's got managerial experience at a relatively high level that plays attacking football and is a big enough name to bring in players. For example, myself and my dad on the way back from the golf today, we're discussing managers, and his opinion is that Gary O'Neill will be a good selection because of how well he did at Bournemouth, which I completely agree. The fact that he had a relegation set Bournemouth and got them competing towards a mid-level Premier League level is fantastic and will be a great appointment. However, is Gary O'Neill going to be a manager who a player is going to think, hmm, I know, I'm going to go and play for Gary O'Neill. Who the fuck even is he? Whereas Dean Smith has got a little bit of history of bringing in players to bigger clubs. He's going to be more 
well appreciated by players. They're going to see the size of Sheffield Wednesday and the manager they're going to play for, and they're more likely to come. Now, is he going to be able to perform with those players to the same degree that it appears Gary O'Neill did with Bournemouth? Who the fuck knows? Sheffield Wednesday makes or breaks players, managers, whatever. You could have a manager come from a huge club, come to Wednesday, can't hack it, and you can have a manager come from dog and duck right corner, and they could do it. I don't know. You look at recent managers we've had, Stuart Gray, best manager we've had while I've been watching Wednesday, because what he did with players like Stevie May, he got Stevie May to eight for the championship. Like, he's a wizard. He'd have got us to the Premier League with Carlos's money. I, I will hold my hat on that. And if anyone disagrees with me, I'll fight him. Because 100%, <laughs> I think Stuart Gray would have got us to the Premier League if he'd have had the Carlos's money. Now, a manager like that would be fantastic. Someone who could relate to the fans, someone who knows the area, someone who knows the club. An ex-player, maybe. Ex-players haven't really worked well for us, but who knows? Yeah, Smith, you... I think he's my number one choice. Yeah, you never know. Emma, like, you know, is it just great that we're actually out of League One, you know, at the, I know, at the second time of asking and kind of back into the championship? Because as much as, you know, it's been great having these long unbeaten runs, for me, it would just, the stress of kind of, you know, what would happen if we didn't win a game last season? We're just getting a bit unbearable, to be fair. And I think that's probably the same for, for most fans as well. Yeah, yeah. I think the expectations, obviously, they're going to be high. But that expectation to consistently, you know, be the winner every single game, um, like not having that might be a nice little psychological break, I guess. I don't know. Um, having said that, going up, obviously, I'm thrilled we've gone up, but at the back of my mind, even at Wembley, I was like, it's going to be the strongest championship in years. All those teams that have had the points deductions, they've kind of been filtered down now. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a strong bunch. So I was nervous yeah. when we started the manager. I'm even more nervous now. Yeah, definitely. Be- Bethany, w- w- which team are you kind of most looking forward to come up against? I mean, Leeds has got to be well up there, hasn't it? Surely being, you know, as massive as what they say they are and everything. We always have good games against them. But yeah, what w- which one is the one that you've been looking out for this season? I am looking forward to a little Leeds. I think it's going to be a nice little replacement for obviously not getting a Sheffield derby for another year. Um, I'm kind of selfishly with my little Mancunian head on. Um, I'm looking forward to some uh, local teams for me. Hopefully, maybe be able to get an away day or two in. But also, I've got plenty of friends here who support Preston, Blackburn, those kind of clubs in, in the periphery of Manchester. And I think that'll... Um, yeah. have some nice discussions having, around yeah. those. Having the bragging rights uh, in the in, in the group <laughs> chats and what have you, it's always, it's always nice, isn't it? Lauren, I know you get to quite a few away <laughs> games, don't you? Um, or, or have done. Am, am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're laughing because we, we have issues with the connection and... Um, yeah, I think I think you've got the same internet as Giles Coke. Uh, for long listeners, oh, it's, of the podcast no, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I suppose I, I suppose there's been some, you know. I'm from Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> this there's been some grounds that you've been to last season. You know the the small grounds. I suppose it's been nice in a in a way, but it's good to to get back into the championship and go to these big stadiums again and, and you know the big allocations rather than just the you know 1500 fans at, at Forest Green Rovers I guess kick it comfortably rather than having to fight with like 100 people for a ticket yeah that's that's one thing the allocation is going to be a lot uh a lot bigger which yeah I'm, for myself yeah it's uh, a lot better chance of of getting you know getting to some of these uh these different away games um go on then adam uh sorry i'll, I'll come to chris chris how do you think we'll fare next season i mean i know it's difficult to say we've got what i don't think we've got enough players to have you know a, a seven aside game in training um we haven't got a manager either so it looks like you know, I know you were joking, Chancey, you were saying that Barry Bannon's going to be taking training, but it looks like that's probably going to come true. Um, but yeah, how, how do you think we're going to fare this season? I mean, top six, like what Chancey says, or do you think he's a bit, I don't want to use the word deluded, but I have. I think I just have done, Anna. I think at the minute it's impossible to predict because everything's up in the air. And the championship, it's such a topsy-turvy division. I mean, 
Coventry had so many problems at the beginning of last season with uh, not having so many postponed games and you know, the struggle to get the sort of season yet to finish in the playoff final. Middlesbrough had a disastrous start. They were in the bottom three for quite a while and then they managed to finish in the playoffs as well. Nobody would expect Luton to have got promoted. So anything can happen in the Championship and we, we don't know what will happen in the Actually, We don't know who the manager will be, we don't know who the players will be. So it's impossible to make a prediction at the minute. And in general, I just really think that who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you sat on the fence like Liam. Uh, he's, he's not not pinning his colours to the mast on, uh, on. I mean, I suppose for me, I, I know. I think we're gonna. I think, whoever comes in and the players that, we, that we're getting, I think we're gonna have enough to enough to survive. And whether that's gonna be top six. Oh, no, I mean, you've said it now, James. Oh no. You've called it now. You said we're surviving. You jinxed it. Well, to be fair, <laughs> I, did, I, I said that MK Dons had finished in the top two uh, in League One last season. Exactly. Look you've that buggered one. them and you've buggered us now. <laughs> everyone, look, everyone's thinking it. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't sit on the fence. You know, I've, there's no splinters on my arse. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've, just, no. I, I think we'll have enough. I mean, look, if people want to clip it up and send it to me, come end of the season when we finish twenty fourth, then, then fair, fair play, whatever. Like, I'm bookmarking it. <laughs> I'm sure you've bookmarked quite a few tweets. To be, <laughs> to be fair, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting season. I thought it was going to be nice. Easy pre-season. I thought it would be a nice season where we can perhaps, you know, not win every game and not, like I said earlier, not get too stressed about it all and 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 just kind of chill out a little bit. But I suppose Chancery's got uh, got other ideas, I guess. Um, right, we're going to wrap things up here. Um, massive thanks for you all for uh, for joining us, Adam, Emma, Bethany, Lauren, and Chris. Uh, let's come round you all again. If people want to follow you on social media and uh, where can they find you, Adam? Go on, kick things off. Uh, Armed Forces Owls on Twitter. Um, I'm Sheffield Wednesday Armed Forces Sports Club on Facebook. Uh, Wednesday Third Eye Podcast um, sales page. If you want to buy any of our merch, which is changing over to footy threads. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, usually the fan zone or just give us a holler. We have also got a WhatsApp group. I just didn't mention it. Um, it is only Armed Forces, unfortunately, because some of the stuff in there is probably not going to be welcome in the public eye. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I'll put, I'll, I'll, come and say hello. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, Emma, where can we find the uh, women's supporters group for Sheffield Wednesday? Yeah, so we're at W, no, SWFC, WSG on Twitter. A bit of a mouthful. That is a mouthful, that one, to be fair. Man, it might need to shorten that one a little bit. Working but... <laughs> on a catchier name. Uh, there's a link there to our membership. It's completely free. You're welcome to sign up. Once you've signed up, you get a link to the WhatsApp group. Could you not become Owlets? think that has other connotations yeah that's a bit controversial that one uh, yeah if you want if you watch soccer am um yeah anyway we're moving swiftly never on soccer AM. you never watched <laughs> how can you not watch soccer am and, and call yourself Crap. a football fan couldn't, couldn't do it couldn't do it i didn't like where they brought all young women out in skippy skirts that's, that's kind of kind of what you've just been referring to i suppose all oh, right is it oh apologies no, i'm blind to that <laughs> And Chris, <laughs> Chris, where can we find the Rainbow Owls on social media? On, on Twitter, our handle name is LGBT underscore owls. Um, on there, you'll find the link to our website. It includes details of our ambassadors, our charity uh, hospitality partners, uh, like a link to where you can sign up to become a member. It's got a link to our like, Facebook group and our Facebook page. On Instagram, we're Rainbow Owls 6. So it's like Rainbow Owl S six. Great, great That's stuff. <laughs> I'll put well, I'll put all the links in the uh, in the show description anyway. So if you do want to uh, find out more about these supporters groups, then you can uh, then you can do that. Again, massive thanks everyone for for joining. It's been it's been great. I hope people listening as well has got a, more of an insight into kind of what it is that the supporters groups do. Uh, like I said, do do go and check them out if you uh, if you want to do so. So. Thank you very much, everyone, and we'll see you all next time. Cheers, guys. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.